You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. We've made it to the season finale of Liturgies of Life, Father Jeffrey. And I thought I'm going to start this episode the way we started, the opening premiere episode of this season with reading you a quote. And, and I'm interested to see, uh, you know, how, reflecting on all these episodes we've done together, how does this quote still hold up? So this is one of your quotes that you said not only at the beginning of our season five, but at the very beginning of any episodes we've ever recorded for this podcast, I asked you, what's the purpose of the liturgical life of the Orthodox Church? And you said, we do in liturgy what we're meant to do, uh, what meant to be doing in life. We do in liturgy what we are meant to be doing in life. Do you still stand by that, Father Jeffrey? <laughs> we haven't talked ourselves out of it, I hope. Um yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what we've explored in this series has been, you know, really interesting. The all the ways in which life and liturgy counter inform, you know, each other. And uh you know, I, I think we've I hope we've made the case across very many episodes now that uh that, that is indeed um you know the the reality the, the the liturgy is deeply deeply connected to everything that we do in our Christian life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what what really shocked me? Not shocked me. What really helped me in this series? Uh, one one way that I learned to look at life in this series um, was this idea. You know, often us as Christians we see our faith as something that is perhaps in competition with other things in this world, right? You, ha- you have these different aspects of life. You got sports, you got politics, you got consumerism, you got, uh, I don't know, theme parks, you got the movies, you got music, and then you have church uh, or church or our, our faith, right? Um, our Orthodox faith. And we see all those things as kind of like equal things. And we get really scared when people start liking things like music or movies or shopping more than they like church. And what, what the way that you framed things, Father Jeffrey, and I'll let you comment on this in a second, was that that's not necessarily the best way of viewing what's going on here, that a better way of viewing, you know, and we came up with this metaphor, which was the nesting doll metaphor, that you have all these other stories that exist in our life, like the story of sports or of music or of consumerism or um, politics, whatever it might be. And those are all things that are good as long as they're nested within the larger story, which is the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has been victorious in battle over his enemies and he's risen from the dead, right? That like that, that's the greater story and that we can, we do have the liberty and the freedom to participate in these other stories as, as long as they're nested appropriately in that larger story. Uh, I, I hope that makes sense what I just said um, because it, 
it really that that feeling of liberty that like oh it's it's okay if i read harry potter or it's it's okay as long as i'm constantly um trying to make sure it's nested properly and put in the proper place in my life does all that make sense it does and it goes even further than that um so let me just explain what i mean by that but you're absolutely right i think this idea of the the nesting dolls is a helpful one because often we've said that for example some of the the stories the liturgies that we participate in in, in the world they just have a a much more immediate or you know short medium term kind of goal in mind and that the larger and most important goal and story to which they should be into which they should be placed and to which they should belong is that larger story, you know, of God. So this is all to, you know, kind of counter what is often the, the, the framework in people's minds, which is that, you know, we have a secular world and we have a sacred world, right? That the secular world is pulling always against God's purposes. And so, so really to participate in any, great degree in, in, in society and culture and in, in entertainment and sports and all of these hobbies and everything, you know, we feel a shame because we're, we're, we're not doing God's business when we do that. Whereas in actual fact, to do those things in a Christianly way, uh, to set it within that larger framework is precisely what God's business is all about, right? We are meant to be out there entering into and in infecting with the gospel every part of, of creation, right? So that we, we've resisted entirely a model that says there's a secular world and there's a sacred world or that we're participating here and now in, in, a, in a kind of temporary reality and we'll be, we'll be taken away to some spiritual realm eventually. No, precisely the Christian project is to enter into every aspect and sphere of the world, of culture, of human society and history, and to bring that into relationship with the kingdom of God. And now that, that will naturally have an effect and, and start to reorient, you know, some of those things as they get nested, you know, within that larger story. But the, the principle on which all of this is based and to say that, you know, they're not competing with or pulling away from necessarily the liturgy of the church, which is not some sort of sacred and holy thing in one corner with everything else in, in the other. The basis on which to say that is that, in fact, what we do in the liturgy, this comes back to that original quote, is the best form of creational living as a temporary measure until all aspects of creational living are made into the kingdom of God, right? So that, you know, we enter into that kind of um, very stylized and uh, focused and ritualized space of the, the Christian divine liturgy, Orthodox liturgy that we, we, we know and love so well and participate in the sacraments and so forth in order to practice what every part of life should be like. So it's it's to wrap every part of life in that, but also to to to, to embody the the virtues and and practices of body and soul, which will enable us to live all of creation and all of history towards the, the kingdom of God. And eventually, that very specific and rehearsed space that, and concentrated space that is the liturgy will fade away because everything will be that. 
right? So that in some sense, the liturgy of the church is not the, the most fundamental liturgy in play here. The most fundamental liturgy is the liturgy of the world, the world created by God to reflect his glory and ultimately moving towards that purpose where all heaven and earth is joined together and God dwells with his people. That's the real liturgy. For now, because not everything is that, we concentrate and rehearse our practice of that in the the very, very focused, narrative-rich liturgy of the church in order that we can make every part of, of our life into that. And so when we go and we read authors or look at paintings or listen to music or participate in sports or just talk to people and live and enjoy this goodness of God's creation, we're doing it on the basis which in which we were formed within the divine liturgy as people who are image bearers and image bringers, kingdom bringers to, to the, the whole of, of creation. And so absolutely our job as Christians is to be into as many of those spheres as possible, right? It's not just, it's okay to do it. It is absolutely our bounden duty to do it and to enter into every sphere of life to bring the kingdom. That's what the mission of God is. That's what the apostolic aspect and, and nature of the church is all about. And to, to fail to do that is to miss the whole point, right? It's to just sort of, it's to do it that, that, you know, that wretched servant in the parable does of saying, receiving this great grace and gift of God and just burying it in the ground and saying, I'm waiting out till the Lord returns and then I'll give him back that thing that he deposited with me. No, we're supposed to go out and risk it and trade it and do something to make it grow and flourish in this world. That's what this interrelationship with between liturgy and life is all about. And what helps us stay on that path and, you know, the tool that helps us make sure that we're nesting all these smaller stories within that bigger story in our life is this thing that we've talked about a lot in this series, which is telos or purpose. And we've talked about it, I think, in a couple of episodes. And I think it's worth bringing up again, particularly in this discussion, because it seems to me, Father Jeffrey, that this concept of telos or of purpose is probably not not the best word to pick. Maybe it is, but this concept of telos is the thing that actually keeps us on the right track, right? Is this mechanism we can use almost like a compass, right? When we are out in that in the world, you know, experiencing these liturgies of life, how do we know that we're still on that path? How do we know we haven't been carried away too much into one thing or another. And it seems to me that Telos is this way of keeping us on track like a compass. Is that a, is that a good metaphor here? Well, yeah, because it's, it's the inevitable end of the story. If, if the story we tell and understand from the scriptures and from church tradition and revealed to us in the liturgy and the saints and above all, obviously, in the, the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, if that story is the real story, then we know its end. And that's what the telos is. The telos isn't just some sort of vague strategic plan, right? It's not just some sort of, oh, wishful thinking. Wouldn't it be great if this was the purpose, if, if we aimed at this? It's not just an arbitrary target of some kind. It is the very end of creation itself that has been revealed to us already, right? So that is our faith. That is, that is what Christianity is completely oriented towards. It's an eschatological faith, meaning that 
everything we care about is already revealed to us and participated in now, but it comes from the end of the story. The story, the biggest story, the most important story that, that governs our life, that the end of that story is known to us. And it's that to which we have to keep orienting ourselves, right? It's repentance that we do on an ongoing basis is nothing other than recalling the end of our own existence and reorienting ourselves towards that. Because what's the point of existing if not existing towards that, right? Everything else is fruitless. Everything else is pointless, right? Everything that we do that is not living towards that end will be wiped away, right? It's a, why do things that are a complete waste of time? The only thing that's worthwhile doing is to live in the direction of our own already revealed to us end, right? Where God dwells all in all with his entire creation. And we're all brought to live in that heaven and earth reality and, and so forth. And so that's what we mean by a telos. And that's what we mean by framing everything else that we do by that telos. Because the way we read Harry Potter, as you say, or the way we go out and, and work in this world, the way we go out and play in this world, the way we go out and get entertained in this world or entertain others, the way we go out and do sports, all of that will only be meaningful insofar as it leads us towards this ultimate uh, purpose and end of our own story that has been revealed to us. Perhaps this is just way too complicated and it'd be easier to say Christian good, secular bad. You know, could, could you know? Isn't that just easier, Father? I'm leading you. I'm throwing you a, a, a slow pitch here. <laughs> um, well, of course it's easier, and of course that's the what has often become you know the default uh, assumption. I mean, the, the 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 whole kind of either you could call it Platonic or Epicurean, you know, kind of uh, division of, you know, a spiritual realm away from an earthly realm is, is an easier way to live too, right? It means that we can sort of give up on the world around us. We can sort of say it doesn't matter. At the very most, the world around us is just like a, it's a testing zone, right? Where God is figuring out who he wants to ultimately live with him. And those who pass muster, who, who, who get, pass the cut will go and be whisked away to this spiritual realm, right? So that the secular bad, spiritual sacred good, so that the thing to do in the Christian life then would be to gather as much uh, sacral things, um, uh, do the holy things, you know, uh, visit X number of monasteries, attend X number of church services, you know, receive the Eucharist X number of times, make sure you, you fast, you know, enough just to tip the balance in, in the favor of being holy and so forth. That really, it, it resets the entirety of our lives on a completely different, you know, plane. And, and, and I know an awful lot of Orthodox Christians, and maybe the majority, sadly, who live their lives in that way, right? That they are absolutely committed to doing all the holy things and, of, and, and just avoiding enough of the unholy things that, you know, God doesn't get, um, you know, upset with us and, and, and fail to, to take us to that sacred, you know, realm and so forth. But that's got nothing to do with the Bible. That's got nothing to do with the apostolic preaching of the church. That's got nothing to do with the sacramental worldview and, 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 and vision of new creation that we get from church and its liturgy, right? The, what we're told is to enter into a new, every day, the world around us to bring more and more of that 
towards God's creation, uh, creational purposes. And that work is a work, it is entirely in cooperation with what God is already doing through his Holy Spirit that has been poured out on, on all of creation. So this is to align ourselves with God. It's to align ourselves with our proper natures. Everything else is to fight against that nature. So although it may seem easy in a kind of, um, you know, mental framework to sort of say secular, bad, sacred, good, and, and we'll make that division. We'll just avoid the one and go towards the other. In actual fact, it's working against the grain of our own being to do that. And so to, to follow instead the God's creational purposes and intentions and his redeeming work, his work in bringing everything towards new creation, that is to run with the grain of, of who we are as human beings. And so in the end, that becomes the easier way to do it. But it's it's hard to get the message out because it's so easy to fall mentally, philosophically, religiously even into this other realm where we, you know, divide the world, where we, you know, assume that the current world is not in God's interests and it's not part of his concern and that ultimately it will just be folded up and we will go and live somewhere else. That that just seems to be the, the attractive option for most people. Whereas if we get back into the scriptural narrative, that story in which we are meant to be implanted, um, in where we're meant to inhabit and to 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 enact in every part of our, our being, that story tells of something entirely different where God loves and reconciles the world to himself in Jesus Christ. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. The, the gospel is not one of many equal cult, cultural institutions. And, and I think that, I don't know, we, we treat it like that sometimes where we, we feel that it's in competition with other things. Um, and I don't, I, I don't get that sense from the way that you're answering the question, Father, but that's not the case for many Orthodox people. Many Orthodox people see themselves as almost having an antagonistic relationship with the world at large, right? And and it seems that you're painting a different picture here. I mean, the classic example of that, and I, we had the episode on, you know, science as, you know, the, the cosmic story, right? Um, and so forth. I think the, the point came across you know, relatively well there, I hope. And because there, that's a classic example of one that Christians have been tempted to diminish in order to make the Christian story stand out. Right. And I don't just mean those people that say, well, we're not going to believe evolution because we're going to believe in a kind of literal six day creation, a young earth and everything. That's obviously an extreme example of what I'm talking about, but in a great many people's minds, even those who are disposed to accept the insights and findings of science, right? Who are willing to, to, to make that work within their, their Christian perspective and, and, and worldview and everything. There is still a tendency to sort of say, we need to lower, you know, pull down science a few pegs in order to make the Christian story that dominant and overarching one. We've talked about it, you know, needing to, to kind of 
have everything else nested within it. But actually, <laughs> to take on God's mission fully and to understand the Holy Spirit is already at work in and through all of these things is to actually bring things up pegs, not down, right? We don't need to diminish science. And I hope that came across there that, in, in fact, the scientists are doing God's work, right? Even those who don't literally set out or, and, and overtly set out to, to be uh, those who reveal God's, uh, you know, will and and story to the world are doing so, and we need to not just, you know, or certainly not pull that down or sort of debase it in order to make the Christian story seem more powerful. We need to actually enter into that and lift that up and celebrate that in order to make it all the more part of what God's uh, kingdom story is all about. And the same goes, you know, in all of these other realms. We can be very positive towards health, towards sports, towards films, towards, you know, art and, and literature and, and poetry and, and all of that. Every part of, of, of human, you know, uh, culture can be, in fact, redeemed and lifted up. Christians should be the ones not pulling things down pegs, but actually going out and finding the very best, the, the, the most, the most good, the most truthful, the most beautiful, and, and, and making that all part of what our mission, uh, of, of bringing God's kingdom into, into its full, fullness and, and full revelation in, in the world is all about, right? We should be the, the most positive towards culture and human endeavor, not the least. And sadly, you know, I think, as you say, that it, it, it's often the opposite. We're seen as being um, anti-everything else in order to make the Christian story sort of appear unique and standalone and, 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 and all of this. But it doesn't have to be so. The, 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 our mission is to bring all of the world into relationship with, with God. And, and we do that through that, the story of God that we enact within the liturgy. You sound excited and there are, there are so many priests that I've heard where, you know, it's, it's the opposite. There's, there's a, perhaps a fear or um, a wanting to keep at arm's length or a cynicism perhaps about the things that are going on in the world. And I find this take refreshing and I'm, I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find how to challenge you on it. Are there times, Father, where you do think, you know, like you, there are that sort of that you, you feel yourself needing to have that arm's length and that more cynical uh, approach to things. Overall, I find I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Well, I don't mean here, here. I mean like here, here <laughs> on earth. You know, there's that beautiful line in the Akathist um, of Thanksgiving, glory to God for all things. You know, Lord, it's good to be your guest. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm grateful I got invited yeah. to this, this party. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so, I mean, do you go to a party and then, you know, are there moments of, you know, you know, frustration or, or of difficulty? Of course there are, you know, but overall, like, I'm just genuinely chuffed <laughs> that God yeah. cared enough about me to kind of bring me and place me here. And so I want to explore every part of this experience that's good. 
right? I want to be part of that. I want to celebrate that. The things I can't get to do, I at least want to read about them or watch them on Netflix or something. You know, like I just, I'm sorry. I, if I'm excited, it's because I think this is all good, right? But absolutely. I mean, we need to be cynical about everything that that, that opposes that because there are obviously very, very, um, you know, corrupting and debasing forces at work in the world, but they are precisely that. They're not powerful in their own right. This is the church fathers, you know, I'm reluctant to say the fathers say, but they, they do say, you know, all with one voice, really, that the, the evil itself has no, you know, ontology. It has no existence. It's a corruption, a debasement of that which is good. Right. So to, to be cynical about evil and to be cynical about the, the, the forces of darkness that pull away from that goodness of the celebration of being a guest in God's creation, you know, know, we need to be cynical about that, but it's, it's a, it's a limited sort of cynicism because we know that it ultimately has no power and what power it had for a time has been emptied by the work of God himself who came and himself made himself his own guest. That's an interesting way of thinking. (laughs) He was the host and now he's entered the party himself as the chief guest and made it possible that we can not take seriously, you know, those things that are pulling away from, from God's purposes in creation that, that ultimately they have no, no purpose. We can, we can like the desert fathers laugh you know, at the, the demonic apparitions because they have no power. They, they're, they, they, they're ridiculous. They're ludicrous. They don't belong in the party that is God's creation. And so let's, let's, let's go out with, yes, a, a desire to, to, to not be entangled or, or distracted or obstructed by any of those things because they're still there, right? And there are an awful lot of things, even in all those wonderful liturgies we talked about, whether it's, you know, the cultural things, the sports, the the, the science and all of that, there are obviously things that are anti-creational and that's what they are ultimately, right? They're not morally suspect or evil. They're not on a naughty list. They're not on a list of verboten, uh, you know, uh, you know, cultural artifacts or something like that. That's not the point. The point is they are anti-creational, right? And we can just laugh at them and, 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 and spurn them. You know, the way that the grotesques were put on medieval cathedrals, right? On the outside pointing out and saying, you know, this is ridiculous, right? Just go away. Right, because we're focusing on that which is good and beautiful and true and holy, and that which is in in keeping with God's creation. We got about five minutes left in this entire season, Father, and I'm wondering what, how do you want people to feel after listening to this season? How do you want them to approach their faith? How do you want them to, um, let's say, an Orthodox person um, who's lived their life in the Orthodox Church? What do you? What do you want them to take away from from this season? That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, I, I think as a pastor, I meet an awful lot of people who love the church, right? Who love orthodoxy. They love theology. They they really get into the spiritual practices. They they love being in the liturgy. They love celebrating the feasts. They they love an awful lot of that. But at the heart of all of that, there's this kind of uneasiness, right? An uneasiness in being alive, an uneasiness in, in being a human being, right? Not really sure what they're meant to be doing, 
Right. As I said, that maybe somewhere if they were to talk about it, they would mention something like some great, you know, balance in which they're hoping enough of the good stuff is being accomplished in their life. And, you know, compared to the bad stuff, the bad stuff they're apt to just list in, in very long, uh, dull <laughs> checklists of all the sins that they've done when they come to confession, as opposed to wanting to talk about the story of God and, and how they've, they've, they've played a part in all of that. But, but, but somehow that this is, is this uneasiness at the heart of, of their very life, right? That they're not really sure what it all amounts to. They're, they're taken with something in the story of God and with all of the practices of the church, but they're not really sure how to kind of go forward with that. Well, I hope this series has done something to say, have at it. You know, the world awaits you in your unique character as an image bearer of God himself, going out strengthened and nourished by the liturgy and the sacraments to be somebody who can reflect God's glory to the world and then take the world in all of its goodness and reflect that back to God himself as our creator. Really just have the courage and the faith to go out, the hope ultimately, knowing that the story we tell is the story to beat all other stories. It's the story that, 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 that out, you know, that trumps every other story. And that the end of our story is, is this beautiful vision of God who dwells with his people and, and heals the world and brings the world into the fullness of his glory. I mean, what can compete with that? So we should be confident, we should be hopeful, we should be bearing a story that is, after all, gospel, which means good news, evangelion, right? It means it's the story that brings joy to the world. Where Where is that gone? You know, I suppose maybe the word I would want to leave people with most, joy. We bring joy. The story we tell is a joyful one. The end of that story is the fullness of joy. So if we can do anything in this series to increase the amount of of joy that people have being alive and doing the mission of the church, then I'm I'm happy. So let's leave with with that word, joy. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.